The Athletic. It was sunny. Hello, welcome from the Recurrent, a podcast all about those those record-breaking hornets. All right, we'll get to you in a minute, Michael. Podcast all about following Watford Football Club, brought to you by the Athletic. Uh, my name is John. We've just seen Watford lose two-one uh, at home to Burnley. With me is uh, Jason. Welcome to Operation Relegate Everton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joining us today is Tom Wicks from the Golden Pages fanzine. Hello, sorry about the circumstances I'm joining you, but... It's not well. your fault, Tom, or is it? <laughs> and Alistair Campbell's walking past us. Alistair Campbell, full-kitted in a Burnley retro tracksuit. What's, what's, what's the phrase? Full-kit what? <laughs> <laughs> full-kit Campbell. <laughs> Go on then, Michael. We were one up. It was a good first half. In fact, I saw next to me during the first half was a dad with his two sons. Mm. One of the lads was really getting into it, really shouting at the referee. Got a half time, I, I assume they went off for a snack. They never came back. I assume now the dad went, we've won up. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. They've had a positive game here. I'm, let's go. But, unfortunately, we didn't. 83, 86 minutes, they scored their goals. I came on the train today and the Burnley fans were very, very, very confident. And just to, just to sort of give the day a bit of context, I, it really hit me in the gut, actually, being alongside the Burnley fans coming to this game, obviously a massive game for them. It should have been a massive game for us. It should have been a huge event in the Premier League today in the, in the battle for survival. And the fact that it just wasn't is a really damning indictment of our, quite frankly, pathetic attempts to stay in the division. The run we've had at home uh, leading up to this game should have meant that we should have been in touch. And we just weren't. And just seeing the Burnley fans confident and rightly so I was talking to them and said look you should have, really you should have no problem today but then it kicked off and it found like Watford had found their mojo a little bit they took the game to, to Burnley for, for 20 minutes or so very very quiet in that way and they, they thought ah as we've got a game on our hands that I don't think anyone was expecting much as you know as naff as Burnley are what we all turned up today expecting Watford to get turned over they expected to, to turn up and win but actually you know for 20 minutes Watford rolled their sleeves up uh, they got at Burnley and and looked semi decent for a for a spell. I love that. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> I love that semi decent. But Tom, you know they said that it was an amazingly bright star. Who were the stars for you in that that opening twenty minutes for Watford? I thought Kutska. Like he's 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 an absolute tank, isn't it? Like if you want any player against to play against Burnley, it's got to be him. And. He's had a, a rough old season, but yeah, he was an absolute beast there for well for twenty minutes anyway, and yeah, he kind of drove us forward. I thought in that like those opening stages, and unfortunately, the team you know dwindled and you know shoulders slumped, and it was it seemed to be a bit bit inevitable in the end. But uh, yeah, he sort of drove, drove us forward in the in the early stages. I thought, yeah, Jason, though it was it was over a different plan. Do you think for Roy? that he's, he's told the boys today that he did in the last couple of home games. Like we said already, we, we, we came out of the traps pretty sharp. Um, and I, I, I certainly agree, Kutsuko, I think, had a good, good start to the game. I also thought we, we just played with a bit of confidence at the yeah. start, didn't we? We were yeah. we, we actually zipping the ball around nicely. What we've been really bad at in, in a lot of our home games, when we should be dominating games, is that we concede possession too easily. We give the ball away too much because of a... Of a 
poor pass or poor decision making whereas those first 20 minutes it all seemed to be coming off and frankly we probably should have scored more yeah. we had we had a couple of really decent chances a couple of sort of half chances there was a I think a corner that came over that everyone sort of watched go past if someone just has to get their head on it and it's 2-0 and you think we sort of that close at 2-0 you think that would have not Burnley yeah. that would have really dented their confidence and they wouldn't have had an opportunity to come back into the game Pedro should have probably done better mm. he was through he sort of I think he snatched at his chance it was he didn't wait for it to drop and he just took it a little bit too early and it ended up going over. I think could Kuchka have a, a serviceable chance as well in that in that spell? And I think you're, you're right, Jace. What, what we did, we zipped it around and we did what we should do with the players we have up top in people like Pedro and Saar and Dennis, people who can make a difference, people who can give defenders headache. Move the ball around, give them the ball in a bit of space and see what they can do. And we, we absolutely did that. But only for a period, and then it was the same old story. And it all—it starts stemming from misplaced passes, basically wasted possession. And the more that happens, the more you open the door for the opposition. And with this Watford side, the more you open the door for the opposition, the more horrific things get, basically. Burnley weren't exactly knocking at the door. They weren't battering the door down. They were panic-stricken. They knew that they were blowing a massive, massive opportunity to, to take one step towards safety. They were... They were Rocking has probably put it a little bit, a little bit uh, over the top. It's just mistake after mistake after mistake, wasted possession after wasted possession after wasted possession, culminating in you know we all knew it was coming. We all knew it was coming. But why was it coming though? Because I'll tell you why. This team is is spineless, it's gutless, and it's soft. And as soon as that goal went in, they collapsed like a crap blancmange. Like a poorly cooked soup. Like a bad sandcastle. Like a bad sandcastle. They are absolutely... OK, I will, I will grant them they're bereft of confidence. But unfortunately, they're bereft of any bollocks as well. And I'm livid with that. I just thought that it was a, a completely needless, wasteful, embarrassing capitulation to a team that was struggling to a team that is you know that game won't be on match today that game will be on quest the highlights of that tonight it was so bloody championship <laughs> is, it, is it possible to go even lower i think yeah quest wouldn't touch it with a bars pole either i mean look you know burnley are burnley are awful but they watford just completely gifted the game to them and that's what they've done week in week out when they've required a bit of steel a bit of nerve a bit of guts a bit of standing shoulder to shoulder and facing what's coming at them, they collapse every single time. And that's why they will probably finish bottom. And they'll deserve to finish bottom. They're ghastly. Well, at, least we won't go the, at least we won't be the first one to be relegated because no edge have been confirmed. And that's, uh, and that's our fault by letting Burnley yeah. beat us today. Yeah, well, well done, Watford. We're not only getting ourselves relegated, we're getting other teams relegated as, yeah. as, we, as we go about our business. At least neutrals will be cheering us on because that, you know, that's Everton and Leeds now going to have a very, very tricky Saturday evening. And, and well, Leeds have got Manchester City this evening. Yeah, that yeah. will be a tricky Saturday yeah, evening. So I think neutrals would have been cheering on that result. And probably once we've all calmed down, We'd probably rather one of those two go down. But well, if ever, anyway, let's not talk about anyone else. This is a Watford podcast. But yeah, I just thought the the lack of the lack of the lack of fight, the lack of willingness to dig in, and the lack of it's hard. But you have to get your bloody your shoulder to it, and there are just too many of them not prepared to do it. It's it, it's a disgrace. Who's the most least prepared? 
to not do it, Tom? Because I know, I know the answer to this. Oh no, have you got the same answer as me? The most least prepared. Yeah, to put an effort in. Um, well, yeah, I think there's probably two or three candidates. Probably Dennis is one or one of those. But Saar, I think yeah. today was. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Is he starts off brightly, but he must have such sort of fragile confidence, or I don't know. There's something something in his head that, I mean, the best players will take a game to, you know, will take the game by the scruff of the neck and push the team on. Um, but yeah, we just haven't seen that for God months. What was he doing though? I mean, was it was that, what was more frustrating? His decisions going forward or his lack of a bit of. Let's let's get into attack a little, and you know he just seemed to be worried about his 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 legs and being injured. Yeah, maybe maybe he has got a move, uh, an eye on a move somewhere else. You, you probably couldn't blame him. I think all the agent noise is that he's he's not going to be here. But yeah, it, you know he need to he needs to earn a move, doesn't he? At the same same time, and yeah, he just I don't know. A couple of seasons ago, there was a bit of a bit of fight, a bit of team spirit, and he would come back and he would track back do his defensive work and then you release him and then it would sort of there'll be a lot of ground in front of him to run into but he gets the ball now he's stuck at his feet and he runs out of ideas and defenders have caught on to it they just get two players on him stand him up and he'll you know fumble it into into the middle but I think he's the he's the poster boy I think for poor decision making and, and bad passing he, he, he gives it away and I think we it's because we expect a lot of him Whichever way you slice it, it hasn't clicked for him really at Watford. You could argue that he he got us promoted out of the championship. That he was the difference. He was the little uh, sparkle of magic that got us out of the championship. So he has delivered in that regard, and we've seen bits bits and bobs from him. And I think the reason we go back to him is because we wanted so much more, and it simply hasn't happened. Um, and when you look for that little bit of quality that that might undo a defence in a game like this, you do hope that it's going to happen, and it just didn't. And I think it's right that we're talking about him again but he's it's just it's him and everyone else yeah 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 and the question I'd like to ask you guys is as we were running out of steam you know what I said in the group for the for the equaliser Kuska's just waved him through effectively so it was like a training ground training ground move get through you go have as much space as you want to pick your pass Jack Cork arriving it's absolutely it's, it's, a, it's a nonsense that that happens in a Premier League game so here's the, here's the question <laughs> Why were there no substitutions? Oh, let me go. Let me. That was the question. I, I've been moaning about the lack of substitutions all game, and I'm, I'm, I don't know the answer, Mike. But it it, it astounds me. Yeah. We're allowed nine players on the bench. There can be no excuses for not having the right player on the bench to come on to replace whoever you want to take yeah. off. We could see, and we know, we know from all season long that Kutsky, no matter how good he is, and we've given him some praise for the way he started the game but he was clearly knackered before that we know that after an hour he's going to get knackered and he needs to come off because we know and uh, I'm going to quote Richard who sits next to John here we know that Kuska enters his liability zone <laughs> beyond the hour mark and he needs to come off and you could see it we could all see it we could see he was getting tired Kiko was looking tired as well we got Ngakia on the bench we've talked about Saar perhaps we could perhaps we might even give Kalu a little bit of a run out maybe this, this guy that we've signed, that who's warmed the bench, that we've hardly seen anything of. Have we seen anything of him? I think he came on once, I think, maybe, if I remember rightly. I, I, what, I, what does it say to the players that are on the bench? They can see that we're knackered out there. What must they be thinking? Am I not good enough to, to play now? Is that, I'm just, what is the point of me being? You've seen them, they're warming up. And then, and I think that with about 10 minutes to go, 
the last we saw of anyone warming up, and they'd all sat down again because I mean, it's clear he's not going to make any changes. Well, there was a moment when Kuchka, even before the, they scored a goal, he was definitely a little bit hot-headed. He was. It was quite nice actually. At one point, he really pushed down. I don't know if you need him a little bit, but uh, Ashley Barnes, you know, a little bit of that, and and they needed to be to be substituted. Um, and it just really just told me, you know, just for you, does it really just sum up the season? I, th- I think so. Yeah, it's just a, a stubbornness um, to, to change. Well, from you know, from Roy, perhaps things just just aren't working from several in several layers of this club, and yeah, on the pitch, just yeah, we, you know, you could cut and paste this any point in the season, and you know, you would have had the same scoreline, exactly the same the way that the game went. It's just dis- really just disappointing, and can't wait for the season to end. Uh, really, <laughs> to be honest. It's not going to end quite yet, unfortunately. Actually, two players I want to talk about. I know that we let two goals in, but we don't talk about them on the podcast a huge amount. Samir and Cabaselli mm-hmm. have been playing, well, apart from, you know, really well the last, and we don't really talk about them. And I don't think I think they need a little bit of a little bit of props for being a little bit, giving us a little bit more, not not, not well, flair, not anything particular, but just a little bit calming. They were they were vaguely competent. <laughs> and then that's you know they're not they weren't standout performers. You didn't. No, I don't you didn't, I don't, I don't, didn't yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to say standout. I'm just saying over the last few months, things there haven't we haven't had to not, moan they, about they those had, moments, they, have they we? Had, they, 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 they had a job to do today, and it was going to be a tough job because Burnley effectively playing four up front. They you had Lennon and McNeil. As soon as they got the ball, Lennon and McNeil were pushing on the fullbacks, looking to attack. And then you had Weghorst and Vidra in the middle, classic big man, little man. Yeah, so you know, bit, yeah. so you know they've got, they've got, they're not, it's, they're not like playing one up front or anything like that. They, they're going for it. And obviously, more, more as the game came on, the wingers were sort of tucking in and the fullbacks were pushing on, and so they were, they were acting as wingers. So they had a lot of work to do. And Samir in particular, I thought, got on the end of a lot of crosses that were coming in, yeah. and had to deal with those. So yeah, you got to give them a little bit of credit. You, um, but it's back to yeah, that cross for the equaliser. Not that. What what can they do if you've got Kuchka and Kiko just as Mike says waving them through to put an easy ball in? So, Foster made a couple of good saves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know credit credit to him. But I'm, I'm sorry, John. I really don't think it's appropriate to be talking about anyone in anything approaching glowing terms after a after a performance like that and a and a season like that. Yeah, they weren't disastrous. But I think the fact that we're, 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 we're sort of highlighting those guys for not being a complete catastrophic cock-up... I think I'm highlighting is... from the point of view of... Let's think about the podcast, what we discussed back in November, back in October. Yeah. There's a little change there, at least. I, just, I suppose I'm... You know me, Michael. I do. But you know they... me. I like to acknowledge <laughs> something. They've I'm not saying the they're amazing and, gore, I'm glad to have them. I'm just acknowledging uh, yeah, yeah. some sort of positive. I get that, but they've, they've lost the game that, that, that they shouldn't have lost in a million but years. They didn't lose the game, I think. That's probably why I'm highlighting them. It well, wasn't ridiculously lost with they're them. Part of, they're a part of yeah, a side who is... and Yeah, Samir's had an up-and-down career at Watford so far. He's he fine. If he's here next year, will I be happy? Yeah, I think he'll do a, a great job in the in the championship. So, so he fine. But they they've all got to look at each other. I don't know what they're going to do, but they've got to look at each other. And <laughs> we, we may well lose every every game four 0 from now on in. I mean, unless they unless something happens, because they're just they are just an abject abject mess. From the rookery end. A podcast about life following Watford FC. Of course, the last few weeks, 
with the anger of Watford fans uh, after the supporters uh, committee being announced. We're not going to talk about the ins and outs and the, what happens and who was right, who was wrong. One thing that came out for me, and it was a really early comment, because I was in the meeting, Tom was there as well, when someone sort of said, well, those... Po- <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a thing of, like, someone said, well, you don't represent me. And I w- straight away went, well, I didn't go in there thinking I was representing you, and I would never assume I was. But actually, fan representation in a time like this is, is ever so important. And it came up, actually, on the oh my word podcast if you've listened not listened to that yet it is uh, a new podcast for uh, those fans who love a bit of nostalgia those are, i reckon anyone over the age of 35 uh, will love to look back at the 1990s which were a terrible time but you'd like to look back at them uh, and the boys uh, on that podcast uh, do that on a regular basis season by season but this week they did a podcast with pete fincham uh, pete uh, as many people have heard, heard before on this podcast uh, also he was very well known around uh, Watford and the fans community he spoke about times like that particularly talk, spoke about the starting of the Watford Trust and in the late 90s and into the early noughties I'm very proud actually of, of some of the stuff that as a fan base we achieved during that era and I stand by the fact that if it wasn't for the Watford Supporters Trust our club would not have come out of the the perils that they were in in the early 2000s because we pulled the fan base together, not only in terms of getting all the proxies together and raising actual real money for the club to help them out of various situations, but we kept fans on side by working with the club to ensure that the messaging was tolerable, was correct. When the club has been in its darkest hours, the fans of our club have stood up and have actually turned around and said, we will help you because this is our club. And they were the noises we were making. They were the efforts we were making. There was some of us, we took six months off work to try and make a difference when the club was on its ass after the Viali and, and the, the, the whole ITV digital thing. We took time out of our lives to make sure that what was going on was in the best interest of the future and that we weren't all just going to end up going down and down and down, which could have easily happened. People don't always stand up and put themselves forward. I did that. I didn't do it for my own benefit. I did it because I think it was the thing it was right to do. I love the fact that I can proudly turn around and say I tried to make a difference. And 30 years on, 20 years on, myself and a bunch of people who are at the time looking around going, what on earth can we do? We're now looking at the same sort of situation going, it's a little bit fishy right now. There's a few problems. There's Supporters Trust AGM for the first time in God knows how long, in a couple of weeks, which I'm eagerly looking forward to. Actually, now's the time for fans to come together, not to be driven apart. Because it, let's, let's face it, it's all well and good saying we want pots out. Oh, and what? Mm. And what? In, 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 in my naivety, you know, we want Petchy out. And what? What happens then? Because we didn't have an answer. We want all we wanted was a dialogue, and we didn't want season ticket prices to go from 199 pounds to 320 pounds without explanation. So they did. They explained it. They gave us cause for hope, and they had that dialogue. And they would phone up. And, and frankly, I don't buy all this business about oh, well, there's only a select group of people who've been invited into this latest forum. So what? It's it's an attempt to make a difference. It's an attempt to have a dialogue. You have a dialogue with too many people. The dialogue becomes dissipated. The dialogue becomes pointless. You don't make any progress. It just becomes a rabble. I think the club are doing entirely the right thing at the moment by having a limited dialogue with, with, with people. It makes no odds if you're going to talk from, you know, with Stephen from Sutton 
because he happens to have been on WML and Twitter and all these other things, and he joins 17 different clubs, your voice is not going to be unique. So get people with a mandate, get people with a constitution, get people who've got an objective, bring them together and try and make a difference. You don't need to be dialoguing with people who abuse you all the time. Mike, he speaks, he speaks so well, does he? So passionately, does, uh, does Pete. I love hearing from Pete because I sometimes get quite passionate, but I'd lose my eloquence if I had any, <laughs> had any in the first place before anyone says, yeah, what eloquence? What Pete does so well is speaks with passion and eloquence and he just when he talks about those times during the 90s you could imagine you can remember being there and you can just feel his inbuilt love and how he is the, he is a part of this club and, and vice versa it's the same for all of us of course um, but yeah love hearing from from Pete he's uh, he's one of those guys who really if you do cut him open he, he bleeds yellow and uh, great to hear from you uh, but he spoke about the, the the thing that we've been talking about a little bit about yeah. how too many voices is is pointless in this sort of fans communication with the club yeah it was interesting he cut through I thought he cut through the noise quite quite well and quite forcibly actually he sort of made the the point that ultimately what are you going to do what is your plan what do you want to do with your voice how do you manifest your feelings and you may want something to happen but as Pete said if you want the chairman out if you want the owner out that's fine. That's what you want. It's not a solution. You can't affect that. You can you can protest, and you might get him out. So you have to decide if that's what you want to do. Protest, remove forcible removal, that sort of thing. I think in a world where there's so much opportunity to get your voice heard by a number of people, what do you want your voice to be, and what do you want it to be used for? I think is the is the question. Is is what you're saying an opinion? Is it what you want? Or is it something that you want to work for and, and make happen? Do you actually want to make physical change? And I think all of those things are absolutely fine. If you just want to vent, that's fine. If you want the owner out, that's fine. If you want to engender change, that's also fine. But all, they're very, very different. Pete was talking about when they set their trust up. They gave up time off work. They're not people, and I mean this with all, all due respect, sitting behind a keyboard tweeting all day and all night about how disastrous everything yeah. is, regardless of how crap it is. That's not what they're doing. They were giving up work time, taking time off unpaid to support the club to try and get them through a very, very sticky situation. So if you've got a voice and you want your voice to be heard, what do you want it to do? What do you want to achieve? Everyone needs to ask themselves that question because there's going to be a lot of soul searching over the coming weeks, months and the, and the summer as we, as we build up to the championship. Lots of questions asked about a lot of people. A lot of people will think their opinion is right. A lot of opinion, people will think that we should be doing that, fans should be doing this. What are you going to do about it, I think, is, is the real question. Because, Tom, you know, we were, we were there. We, we, it was clearly an attempt for the club to try something a bit different. But clearly something that came out of what is called the, the Tracy Crouch Report, uh, which is all about fans-led review of football uh, and it's come again recently because the government have sort of said they are will they will take on the idea of this of, of this regulator there's a lot of stuff in there financial regulations and and making sure football's diverse and all that sort of stuff but the, the bit in particular i think it's chapter seven uh, is all about different ways that fans can be represented what is your what's your take on on the different ways that fans should be represented well there's several ways i hear a lot of um, people say about um you know the fans forums and that i think that had its time and place um you know you can 
just, just ask questions and, and get sort of direct answers. But I, I do like what they've done with the, the supporter board because it's, it, enable, it opens up communication on a more than one-off basis. Maybe we need to look at ourselves as supporters and we're quite a sort of fragmented group at the moment, mm. I feel. The pandemic's not helped. People are emotional. We've had an awful, awful season, which continues. But yeah, we need to look at ourselves and maybe we need to take it on. And in the report, it, it talks about a shadow board, mm. like a, a sounding board consultation, not necessarily any power. You know, we wouldn't necessarily think that we would hold any power above what, we, what you would expect. But just to act as a sounding board for the club, open up communication. I think that's really healthy and that's something that I think we should... We should all look at um, as what. Well. It also talks quite a lot about the you know the fact that you could have a, a board member uh, as a fan. It also talks about maybe fans getting together for, for ownership. That's something where the as Pete sort of said, that's exactly what they sort of well they they, they got together to, to make money. The original trust. That does that feel like it's something that, that could happen? <laughs> maybe championship and above. I don't think that's a healthy healthy way to to move forward. I think. If you have a fan on the board, you've got problems, the same problems that the club were criticised about, the privacy, you know, the, the things, the sensitive issues that couldn't be released, weren't released in the minutes, and you will effectively have a board member that will have to, you know, they won't be able to release sensitive information or, you know, there'll be things that the club will want to keep in-house. So I don't think that's the, the, a sensible route for, you know, the long term. I do, I do like the idea of a shadow boards and the consultation, of, you know, with groups of fans or a group of fans that can be disseminated that's the important thing it can be passed out to the rest of the fan base and some people won't like it some people will but it it will open up the the airwaves for of communication and that's a criticism the club have had in recent times i think it made the most sense to me reading it you know you say like we we might feel the most fragmented we felt as fans but i think what the club have helped set up different groups and and that's really what we had there we did have in that room some podcasts like us and fanzine writers like you uh, but within that there were lots of different groups and there are many different groups and social media in that in that case has done a great job uh, in helping sort of gather together like the women of Watford and and and, and those need bringing together a little bit the trust have got an AGM one I think the first time they had one for a while uh, in the next week or the week after and it'll be interesting to see how, what, what comes out of that and how the Watford Supporter Trust which was set up in 2002 uh, how that sort of uh, reacts to these situations Jason what do you remember about them when they were first set up and trying to raise all that money to buy back the Vic oh blimey it's a long time ago I've slept <laughs> since then um, I, but, the, it, but the feeling behind it what about the, 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 the emotions behind it very different to obviously what feelings are around the club now and it, there's definitely a lot more sort of togetherness you sort of memories of people sort of shaking buckets and, and, and things like that and you could see and everyone's view was the same these people were doing something to help our football club and you didn't have that divide and, and sort of Tom's put it so well in terms of the, the, everything that's sort of gone on before this and the fact we're having such a bad season. It was almost like what was happening on the pitch didn't matter as much because there's that risk of what might happen to our club. Mm. And I think that's why people then sort of got a lot more behind it. Obviously, you didn't have all the socials and social media and things like that. It, it, we've talked about people sort of being behind keyboards and sort of tweeting all day. You didn't have that sort of instant response as well. And it just sort of had a general good feeling about it okay times were tough for our football club but the fans were still there the fans were going to try and do something about it and you and you kind of got behind those guys and sort of almost welcome them and thank them for for doing that let's remember though that that was born out of absolute necessity you know the club was absolutely teetering 
and without an intervention from people, the club was going to disappear potentially into into oblivion. It was going to go bust. So that was driven by a very necessary and obvious set of circumstances. What we've got here is the we've been relegated from the Premier League with a with a with a shower of crap football team. It's not they're not the same. And I do think that we talk often about about being divided. Well, are we? We all turn up at, at Vicarage Road. I thought the 1881 and the, and the Rookery did a great job, certainly in the first half today, of getting behind the behind the side. They sort of the summer's out, and it was sort of a bit of a right bollocks to it. We're going to get behind the boys, whatever. And they did well today. And you know, are we really divided? I think there's people with different opinions, and there's as a narrowing funnel of people who like to make those opinions louder and more frequently than others. That doesn't mean that as a fan base we're fractured. There's there's Plenty and plenty of people who've never been on Twitter in their lives don't know what Facebook is, don't own a smartphone, they don't know any of the forums. They just turn up, watch the game, go home as disappointed as the rest of us and get on with their lives. It's, we're all in it together and this sort of talk of... I, do, I understand it because I've seen it. But ultimately there's some people with different opinions on what's going on. That doesn't mean that we're, this, this is an unhealable fracture as a, as a fan base because we're all here again supporting Watford talking about Watford wanting the best for Watford in different ways potentially that's what I mean about if you've got to do what you think is right and if what you think is right is just tweeting that's absolutely fine but recognize that's what it is you're tweeting that's it so that isn't a big plan for removing Scott Duxbury or telling Gino Pozzo how he should run the football club. That isn't it. You're tweeting, you're venting, that's it. If you're on a forum, you're sharing, it, it, that's, which is all totally fine. We're podcasting, that's it. We're talking into a microphone, we put it online, some people listen to it, some people think it's crap. That's it. We're not changing the world. So people need to be aware of what, if they want something to happen like Pete and the guys did back then, if you feel strongly enough about it, you mobilise, you put the hard yards in, you put the graft in and you make it happen. That's when fan engagement and when fan involvement is useful, it's when it's meaningful and has, a, has an end goal, has a purpose, has a focus and has effort and has people behind it that want to actually make something happen. So just because we can talk on a podcast doesn't make our opinion any more vital or, or, or pertinent than anyone else's. It doesn't mean we're putting any more effort in. We stood outside the Hornet shop in the nice sunshine talking. It's great. I'm with my mates. It's, it's great. We're not, I'm not professing to change the world or flying the flag for Watford or making, making it better. I'm sharing my opinion. That is it. I'm not professing to change the world. I'm not professing to, to change the direction the club's going in. I'm not professing to, to be able to have a hotline into Scott Duxbury to tell him he should do this, do that. We've all got our views. Ultimately, this, this talk of fracture, it's sort of self-perpetuating. People will always have different opinions, always. And people will always pick on everything that they don't agree with because that's the way of the world at the moment. But I think you just have to accept that and, and keep moving forward uh, and... <laughs> I'll go back to it. If you want something to happen, you have to put the effort in, and it has to be tangible. Otherwise, it's old man screams at clouds time. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. 
Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! I was wondering this last, last topic, guys, you know, because of... It was a loss. And we, it really feels like we're definitely relegated, however much... Mr. Leventhal yeah. tries to say, it could, it could. I think this Thursday, though, Michael, I think he might finally, hopefully, let in. Um, the Holy Trinity. Maybe holy is the wrong word. I don't unholy. Want, unholy. It's going to be worse than that. Demon-like Trinity. Coming up, swapping places with us. It could be Marco Silva. Marco Fulham. Silva champion. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Bournemouth promoted. Yeah. And Luton. Luton at Wembley. And now, of course... We can get rele- Crystal Palace can relegate us on the, on Saturday. <laughs> Could it be any worse, Jason? If that, if that happens, uh, who is the one that you fear the most out of those coming up? And I know Fulham are coming up, but you know what I mean. The, the one that's going to hurt the most is Luton, without a shadow of a doubt. I I I'm almost. I mean, we've been talking about the fact that we are at peace with our our fate, despite the fact that every time we come around on a Saturday and lose at home, it really, really hurts, and it's still a real struggle. But outside of, sort of when we were away from Vicarage Road, you kind of accept the fact, yes, we're going down. We need to start again. But if Luton go the other way, I'd, I'd, yeah, that's, that's really, really going to stick in my craw. <laughs> I, I, I talked about, I remember when um, we did the sort of the pre-FA Cup final podcast, and the one thing about Watford that I don't like is the fact that we don't have a major trophy and they do that really gets to me and if they then bloody go and get promoted when we get relegated oh, I'm going to have to sit in a dark room all summer I think <laughs> too much yeah. for me too. Tom about you are Luther worse who, who, who else you know if, um, do, you, do you still have a problem with Marco Silva do you think he's had his comeuppance because he got such a bad time at Everton yeah I, th- I think I'm done with Marco Silva <laughs> past it you know he can carry on and do what he does but yeah I agree like Luton would be that would just be really hard to take, you know. We've always, in my lifetime, we've always had that that backstop, you know. Our, we're always better than our rivals. We're, you know, either in the same league or in a, in a higher league and never had a problem. But now this is, it's, it's, it will hurt. It's going to be like we're being challenged and, oh, yeah, just yuck, yuck. <laughs> Michael, though, the cherries, we know your mother's uh, take on the cherries. Are they still the same to you, though? Now Mr Howell's not gone. I think, I think, now he's gone and earning millions of pounds. You Did they still have that same thing, they do, really? They're, they're a pesky pesky bunch, aren't they? And I don't, I don't agree with the way they... Are they charlatans, like you used to call them? I've called them a much, much worse than charlatans. <laughs> um, to be perfectly honest, I think we've got our own problems. Our, our own problems far outweigh worrying about what those guys do. I think if there is, like Jason said, if there's any silver lining to Luton coming up, I think they might have a couple of shock early uh, early wins, but I think they'll get demolished on a regular basis after that. So that might be vaguely entertaining. I always remember when Watford lost the FA Cup final to Man City in admittedly disastrous fashion. Luton fan was on there saying, oh, well, there's no way we'd have lost that much. <laughs> Now let's just uh, let's wait and see if you do manage to sneak up somehow. How you do get on when you're faced with the, the uh, probably better than us. <laughs> in fairness. So I think you know I'd, anything less than eight, they're smiling. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all of them are pretty pretty horrific. Yeah, but, well, uh, but we've got we've got our own. But let's let's focus on 
uh, on getting our, our own house in order before we worry about what that lot are up to. Yeah, I chatted to Ollie um, Wiccan early on, and he was sort of saying, you know, you, you never really want to wish badness on other people, but actually... A year in the Premier League for most of those teams isn't going to be as pleasant uh, as it has been this year for them. So that's the that's one thing to keep hold of. Maybe if they do end up, but any of them, all three of them, end up swapping places with us. We'll be back on Thursday with another podcast uh, in the run up to the Crystal Palace away game. Where hey, you never know, this suffering may finally yeah. be put to Isn't bed. It's bad that we're actually looking forward to being relegated <laughs> as a potential positive. Actually being relegated is is the best we can find at the moment. It helps you just switch your mind. You can completely, 100%, put your mind on, on one thing and, and just be focused. Big job of work to do here, and uh, I think it's going to. I think it's going to be fascinating from now on. I, I do wonder whether they'll be considering the uh, position of Roy Hodgson. I wonder whether Roy Hodgson will be considering his own position. We're pretty much at rock bottom, I think. After after that, um, well, no, no we can't. Well, yeah. below us. <laughs> no, nowhere really left to hide as a as a team or as a as a club. We know that it's a mess. We know what's happened. We know there've been mistakes. We know that what's happening on the pitch isn't great. The, the rebuild has has to be starting now, and I think we I think we might start to see all the wheels in motion sooner rather than later. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, where can we go on pages? You are the uh, the editor in chief. Do you call editor and chief or just editor? Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've just had a, a recent uh, new edition out. Uh, what, yeah, what's the best way for fans to keep involved and keep in touch with with what you're doing when the next edition's out? Uh, well, we're looking to do f- at least four next year quarterly. So anyone who wants to be involved, whether that's writing or you know, I can help people write it. They've got stories, photos, anything. You know, it's it's all it's all Watford fans for Watford fans. So. Um, yeah, just get in touch via the social media platforms there. Um, you'll find you'll find them Watford fanzine. Yeah, and I'll be in front of the club shop for the last two two games, trying to stay relatively positive. At least it's sunny, you know. We've got that. <laughs> just hope it doesn't rain, and then it'll be all, r- truly awful. <laughs> well, make sure you get suntan lotion on. Thank you very much, Jason. Ah, uh, thank you. Uh, and of course, we'll be back on Thursday with another podcast with Mr. Adam Levital. If of course, if you haven't subscribed to the Athletic yet, then go to theathletic.com for slash rookie end, where you get a special discount because hey. You're a Watford fan and you listen to this podcast. We're back, but hey, four more games to go. Come on, mules! The Athletic.